ahead. Spoilers ahead. Ah, Belgium. You have given the world so much. Chocolate, waffles, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and of course, the master creation of Pierre Culliford, a.k.a. Peo, the Smurfs. Peo! First appearing in 1958 as characters in the fantasy comic book Johan et Pilui, translated in English as Johan and Peewit, uh. these tiny blue people enchanted children and wormed their pernicious... <clears throat> <laughs> delightful way into the hearts of children everywhere through large format comic books and an American animated show all through the 1980s. Never entirely out of our nightmares <laughs> public consciousness, in 2001, Sony Animation Studios decided to inflict a combination live-action 3D animated adaptation of these little cyanotic bastard yeah, delightful creatures <laughs> upon the world and didn't they just take your pill <laughs> mixing 3d computer animation with neil patrick harris hank azaria jama mays and cameos galore the smurf movies smurfs movie now lies before us what have we done <laughs> what have we done you picked it yeah well welcome to max mike movies we're <laughs> in our series drawn apart where we discuss movies that mix live anime, live action and animated characters as part of the central plot. I am your, your poorly animated one-dimensional host, Max Levine, and over there is your more or less live action host, Mike Luce. Hello, everyone! <laughs> yes, Mike Luce, the cartoon that walks like a man. <laughs> Talks and like a man! Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> do not try to do Rudy Valley or Frankie Valley. <laughs> Down in the valley of the Jolly Green Giant. How about that valley? Even worse. Can I be the sprout? No. <laughs> Bumpy would let me be the sprout. Bumpy bets on bets on dog races. Um, but first, before we get we get we get over to uh, severing Bumpy's head from his body, we have a little business, of course. So mean as. As always, you can find us at our website, MaxMikeMovies.com, which has a full archive of all of our shows, plus many surprise goodies. They're such surprises, we don't even know what they are. <laughs> you can also find us, of course, on the podcast app of your choice, like the Google or the iTunes podcast app. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter, under MaxMikeMovies, and we are also available on Spotify. We're also available in random cereal boxes, but we're not going to tell you which ones. And now and they're of reaching course, to the bottom to get the prize. That's <laughs> right. That's just cheating. And, of course, you can reach us at our email address, us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Yeah, well, smurf <sighs> this. Yeah, go smurf yourself. Oh, yeah, up your smurf. <laughs> smurf, son of a smurf. This will never end. <laughs> no, it will not. Uh. The show. So, The Smurfs, 2011. Mm. Uh, the budget was about $110 million. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for computer animation and a fairly impressive cast, that's not surprising. The worldwide gross. Now, in America... Did a little under a hundred million. Not that great. Hmm. Overall, worldwide, over half a billion dollars. <laughs> Which, of course, guaranteed the sequel, Smurfs 2 Electric Boogaloo, or whatever hmm. it was called. Hmm. Probably without uh, Neil Patrick Harris. 
almost certainly without Neil Patrick Harris. No, excuse me. The sequel did have Neil Patrick Harris. I think it even had Jama Mays, and it definitely had Hank Azaria. Uh, we'll get to. Uh, 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 yeah. The, the Smurfs, the pain. The, the pain of it all. The Smurfs started out, as I said, as a comic book by Pierre, Pierre Colorford, best known as Peo. Peo. Uh, Peo. Uh, in an homage to this, uh, a, there's a Smurf comic book that plays a pitiful pivotal role in the film yes this i i'm wow my freudian slip is showing yeah Ooh, and it's pink and frilly <laughs> uh, the book that the smurfs find at mr wong's magical emporium it could have been worse it could have been mr majorium's magical emporium oh. uh which is l'histoire des Smurfs. includes artwork by pierre by pierre colorford himself uh from three of his uh, smurf books which brings in a really weird kind of recursive meta text where apparently the Smurfs exist in the real world as fictional characters, but they also. I'm great, we'll get to that. Well, there's mushrooms involved, and I'm guessing Peo is short for peyote. <laughs> <laughs> now, naturally, they were not called the Smurfs in the original Franco Belgian book, they were called the Strumpfs, which is pronounced like the German word strumpf. Which which means sock. Yeah. However, according to Peo, this is apparently true. Uh, the term in the language, the fact that the Smurfs always say Smurf this, and they use Smurf interchangeably as a noun, a verb, an expletive, <laughs> anything. It came about when he was having a, a meal with his colleague and friend Andre Franquin at the Belgian coast, and you know how sometimes you blank on a word. Yes. In your head. Well, Peo did that. He forgot the word salt and asked his friend in French to pass him the strumpf. And Franklin jokingly replied back, here's the strumpf. When are you done strumping strumpf it back? And the two spent the rest of the weekend speaking in strumpf language. Oh, dear gods. And no one put them away? <laughs> Apparently no one locked them up, but this must not be uh, illegal in Belgium. Oh, uh, later, it was translated into Dutch as Smurf, and that was where it was ad adapted from English. Probably Which because means it's like, the easiest to smell. Nothing. It's just a... Oh, like Haagen-Dazs and Frusenglage. <laughs> yeah, it's like just a, a sort of vague sound-alike. Mm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it ends, ends well, with maybe an maybe they're F. philosophers. <laughs> uh, most, the height of most Smurfs is commonly described as haute comme trois pommes. A French idiom, which directly translates as three apples high, which is how they're described in the opening of the movie. Now, contrary to popular belief, this is not supposed to be a scientific measurement. It's it's like a, a slang, a French slang, like the equivalent of, in English, how the Southerners say, you know, I ain't seen you since you was knee-high to a grasshopper. Okay. Yeah, so it basically just means small and cute. It's not a specific height measurement. Because I remember, th uh, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, do they mean like, what, three gala apples or three large-size honeycrisps? Or, you know, those, some of those are pretty big. There's some, there's some real discrepancy. Anyway. Uh, Can't get enough super honeycrisp. Honeycrisp. Oh. <laughs> uh, in a, what seems like an act of stunt casting, but Katy Perry, the pop singer, uh, yeah. was voices Smurfette. And sure. this, and in the second Smurfs movie, she wasn't, when she was a kid, she wasn't allowed to watch the original Smurfs. Well, because it's so her, vile and evil. <laughs> well, apparently her parents were very conservative pastors, they must be so proud, uh -oh. and didn't consider it to be good for their children. Because, 
Yeah, it's so raw and gritty and... (laughs) (laughs) Now, admittedly, there is an aspect to the Smurf biology that is really kind of disturbing when you realize there are 101 Smurfs living in the village. There's one female. And one of them's a scanner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the scanners are winning. Uh, Now, allegedly, like I say, it seems like stunt casting, but apparently... The filmmakers cast Katy Perry without knowing it was her. They had done a blind test where they took certain voices from previous interviews and matched them with the character. They liked her voice without knowing who it was, and when they found out who that, who that it was her, they thought it would just work. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Now, according to Peyo, the Smurfs never take off their caps, which also makes you wonder what's under there. Peyo! Yeah, yeah. Uh... They do in the movie, they use them as parachutes when jumping down from a balcony. Uh, Relatives of Peo demanded that for that scene, the Smurfs are seen only from above or below. So you never are subjected to seeing Smurf skull or Smurf scalp. Does does that mean that Smurfs are (laughs) proto-Mandalorians? It must be. Yeah, maybe Smurf is just another way of saying this is the way. Blue is the way. Blue is the way. Uh, As I'm sure you picked up each, that twice the Smurfs hitch a ride on top of a New York taxi cab, and in both cases, there's an advertisement for something blue. One's the Blue Man Group, and the other one is for Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, 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 We'll be uh, getting to that. Oh, oh, Sony. Oh, Sony. Oh, yes. Naughty, naughty Sony. (laughs) Uh, to prepare for his role as Grouchy Smurf, George Lopez did not drink coffee, made sure he had bad breath, and picked the busiest time of day to drive to the studio. Okay. So he was always in a bad mood. <laughs> That's, you know, you don't hear about a lot of voice actors going method, but okay, why not? Sure. The first scene in the film, it's a pan over a medieval land to the Smurf village featuring the Smurfs riding storks. This is an homage to the opening credits of the Smurf TV show in 1981, shows the same same shots. Yay. And yes, beginning back to kiss Carrie, yeah, Katie Perry, she does at one point, Smurfette for no reason says, I kissed a Smurf and I liked it. Yeah. Which is a reference to her, big, her first hit song, I Kissed a Girl. I like Weird Al's version better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gutsy Smurf, Crazy Smurf, and Narrator Smurf are the newest Smurfs to appear since the death of Smurfs creator, Peo, in 1992. (laughs) Gutsy, Crazy, and Narrator were not in the Smurf TV show. They were created specifically for this film. Uh, Some of this movie... Oh, yeah, there's also a Smurf named Panicky, who was supposed to appear in the film, and they even had a a voice actor, Adam Wiley, who we've run into before, but he's only mentioned in passing... Uh, by Gutsy during the dialogue. He does appear in the merchandise sold by McDonald's, and he does show up in the sequel. Of course. So all of you panicky Smurf fans, relax. <laughs> uh, some of this movie takes... The movie takes place mostly in New York City. New York, New York City! City! <laughs> and some of it takes place in Belvedere Castle. Except that is not Belvedere Castle. They built an exact replica of it at two-thirds scale. Uh, there's a lot made of the blue moon. Yeah. Uh, a blue moon is not actually blue. What? It's a, it's an, it's, it's a term when uh, a month that has two full moons in it, which is fairly rare. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll get to uh, the Blue Moon. So the voice actors in the film: Jonathan Winters plays <laughs> Papa Smurf, and Frank Welker plays the cat Azrael. Mm. Both of them appeared in the, the Smurfs TV show in '81. Winters voiced Grandpa Smurf, which apparently there is one. Oh. And Welker had voiced hefty poet Clockwork and Wild Smurf. <laughs> what what does Wild Smurf do? I have no idea. <laughs> or should I say, what doesn't he do? This uh, the trivia is full, of course, of this person was approached to play this person, or they thought about this person. The only one I thought was interesting was you know who they wanted originally to voice Brainy Quentin Tarantino. That I would have paid to see that in the theater to hear Quentin Tarantino voice a Smurf. That would have been weird. Yeah, but Brady Smurf's monologues would have been 15 minutes long and complete rambling nonsense. Narrator Smurf, by the way, is voiced by Tom Kane, who I know best from the Powerpuff Girls as Professor Utonium, and he's also <laughs> Yoda in the Clone Wars. Did you catch one of the other uh, actors in this film? Uh, you you may or may not know their work, but uh, they do pop up once in a while. The cat was played by Mr. Crinkle. <laughs> what? That's Wait, the that name one. of the cat. The cat's That's name the cat's... is Mr. Crinkle. I thought, the, I thought the cat was entirely CG. No, no. There was a, there's, there's scenes you can tell it's a real cat. Like whenever okay. it looks like a cat. It's, uh, it's a real it. cat. Okay. But yes, the cat's uh, name is Mr. Crinkle. <laughs> I, uh, one last thing. I like I like this on a personal level. According to Sony Pictures Imageworks animators, the Smurfs in the film can run up to 10 feet per second and have a vertical leap of 4 to 12 inches. Mm. Now, as a, as a narrative point, who cares? I agree. But all I can think is somebody among the animators was a gamer and was working movement <laughs> rules for Smurfs as a playable creature. Um, I, if I could back, <laughs> if I yes. could backtrack for a second, Mr. Crinkle, uh-uh. not only <laughs> does Mr. Crinkle have an ID IMDb listing, which I think is oh, awesome, <laughs> they list him as Mr. Crinkle is an actor known for the Smurfs, and hey, he reprises his role in Smurfs too. <laughs> So Great. you show him, Mr. Crinkle. You go, you go, Crinkle. Is an actor. Mr. Crinkle is an actor known for the Smurfs and the Smurfs too. See full bio. Hey, let's see. Oh, that's all they know. <laughs> Mr. Crinkle. Uh, which brings us all to the plot. Oh, dear. Do it. Strap it. Yeah, this is a long one. Okay. <sighs> In a delightful little village live a tiny people called the Smurfs. All 101 of them live in harmony despite there being 100 males and only one female. Bet their faces aren't the only thing that's blue, am I right, fellas? Oh! Sorry, wow. sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. So, <laughs> I'm really not. So, if you know the Smurfs, you know they're constantly being pursued by the evil wizard Gargamel, who wants to capture them because... Okay, this is kind of vague in Smurfology. Sometimes he wants to catch them because he wants to eat them. Sometimes he says he can turn them into gold. In the movie, he wants to catch them and drain out their magical essence, which he can then use to conquer a world which appears to be inhabited only by him and the Smurfs. So dream big, Gargamel. <laughs> the Smurfs, by the way, are all animated, but for some reason, Gargamel and his cat, for the most part, are live action. Gargamel is played by the usually wonderful Hank Azaria. 
Anyway, every Smurf's personality is defined by their name. The patriarch is Papa Smurf, the know-it-all is Brainy Smurf, the one female is Smurfette, because being female is apparently the only defining personality trait you need. Am I right, fellas? Oh, God. Yes. Anyway, due to the shenanigans of Clumsy Smurf, who I will now refer to only as Gilligan Smurf, because he is! I thought you just him... I think you just call him that bastard. <laughs> uh, he really is Gilligan. He is just screws up everything, and you really have to wonder why he was not murdered at birth. <laughs> why? Why would you? Why they allow him to live is a mystery. Because of because of Gilligan, Gargamel discovers the Smurfs' village and ends up chasing six of them through a magic portal into that fantastic, unbelievable world of modern day New York City. New York City! Yep, we've got Pop of the Six. It's Papa Smurf, Jonathan Winters, Brainy Smurf, voiced by Fred Armisen, Gutsy Smurf, voiced by Alan Cummings, Grouchy Smurf, as I said, is George Lopez, Gilligan Smurf, who is voiced, by the way, by the late Anton Yeltsin. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh yes, and Smurfette, voiced by Katy Perry. Hijinks ensue. And ensue and ensue. <laughs> Basically, Gargamel chases the Smurfs, Papa Smurf is worried about some prophecy where Gilligan Smurf dooms them all, <laughs> the Smurfs run into Neil Patrick Harris and Jayma Mays, a charming couple expecting their first child who also decide for reasons unknowable to man to help these little blue nightmares, yada yada yada, the day is saved, hooray. <laughs> it's a big Smurfin mess, yeah. You didn't watch the end of the movie, did you? <laughs> I did watch the end of the movie. <laughs> Is that uh, uh, is that your whole wrap up for the plot? That's the whole that's the whole plot wrap up. The lowdown. Now, one well, thing that really okay. strikes me is they have some really fun voices in this movie who they give almost nothing to do. You know, Vanity Smurf, that's John Oliver, and he gets oh. like three lines. Yeah. Handy Smurf who gets one line, that's Jeff Foxworthy. Well, you know and you're a Smurf when <laughs> You might be a, you might be a Smurf <laughs> if there is only one woman in your entire village. You might be a Smurf. Oh God, I think this could be a whole route. Anyway, anyway, you know who the, who uh, I like who Baker Smurf is. That was Wolfgang Puck. Okay, and uh, of course Jokey Smurf, who I think has two lines, is Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, did you notice, like, the beginning, you know, how they do this? This is one of those things. Hey, Hollywood, I know you're listening. Please stop this. So every time we go to see a film, the film starts, and we get Wait, this That's the problem right there. 20-second... What? That's the problem right there. <laughs> well, in yes, this case, go on. you get this 20-second little animated thing about the film company's name, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's Flubbity Blue Pictures, and then they do the next one, and the next one, and then they start over again, and they show you 20th Century Fox presents a Flubbity Blue production in partners with... It's like, okay, we've seen it. In yeah. this case, they had what looked like a company called Kentertainment. <laughs> Entertainment? Yeah, it was actually supposed to be K Entertainment, but it looked like Kentertainment. Oh. And the only thing I could think of for their tagline is, we put the K in entertainment. <laughs> um, but yeah, we open up, and my first note is, why isn't Clumsy Smurf in jail? 
seriously, the first thing we see is him basically destroying half the town simply by walking through it. Yeah. This is not clumsy Smurf. This is calamity Smurf. Yeah. Natural Um, disaster Smurf. He has a bad luck field he generates. Yeah, and I guess they're all supposed to be so uber happy. Even Grouchy Smurf likes him, and I'm like, why? Grouchy Smurf, they really give more of a carrot. First off, I got to ask you, did you ever watch the show in the 80s? Uh, let me think. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were too yeah. annoying. And they at were. least they mentioned that. It's like, Neil Patrick Harris, thank you, Neil Patrick Harris, for yeah. so many things. But thank you for actually saying, don't you guys find that song the least bit annoying? <laughs> uh, yes, the March of the Smurfs. That yeah. thing, la, 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 la. <laughs> Why not kill me now? You hear that a lot. <laughs> well, not as much as it could have been, honestly. It could have been a lot yeah. worse. But, like, how can you not? I mean, that's what the Smurfs have. That's their thing. So, shtick Smurf. Didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't watch it either. It really was, first, the animation was cheesy, and, uh, yeah, it was just too irritating. Yeah. I mean, and also some of the characters, like, Grouchy Smurf in this movie actually has a character, as a personality. The one or two episodes yeah. I remember seeing, Grouchy shows up, he only has one thing he says. Someone mentions something, like, oh, it's spring, and he pops up and says, I hate spring. That's his whole shtick. Hmm. That's it. Now, originally, the books, I remember seeing them, yeah, you had them at the Million Year Picnic, New England's premier comic book store. There, I beat you to it. <laughs> uh and there, the format is very similar, or was very similar to like Tintin and mm-hmm. Lucky Luke, and you know, there those an asterisk. I don't know what. What do you call that? And they're just uh, bande dessinée is the term in French, but it's they're just graphic albums. You know, they usually uh, run about sixty pages. Um, okay. And there is literally probably millions of different volumes of stuff. We see the very, very. It's even like less than manga in this country we see the very tip of the kind of stuff that's available and smurfs obviously is meant for kids um lucky lucky luke is sort of in between same thing with asterisk because there's a lot of wordplay that kids don't get but kids still read them um there's stuff for adults there's mysteries there's uh horror this i mean every different subject has that kind of comic series um and they're big and they're colorful they're usually exceedingly well drawn um we didn't have much for the Smurfs because they weren't that popular. Yeah. For the reasons. show apparently, the show was popular. It ran for like nine years. People yeah. Liked it and, and it's I never ne- really gone away. <laughs> it's like that rash you just can't get rid <laughs> <Yes>. of. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we were the wrong age. We were already past high school yeah. and it's like, we're not interested. I'm still not interested. Um, I... It does have some weird... Pro- Let's just go right for this, because we know we're going to talk about it. Okay, 100 yeah. guys and one girl. What is the deal with that? Okay, first of all, it's very clear. I actually read about this, because <laughs> the internet of... This will come as a great shock, but the internet is rife with speculation about Smurf reproduction. Oh, I bet it's rife with Rule 34, too. <laughs> I bet it is. I did not want to look at that. But first of all, you notice the males... Mm-hmm. do not have nipples. And we know this because male Smurfs do not wear shirts. Like well, I thought ever. this was just them being kind. No, no, they don't seem to have them. Okay. And Smurfette does not appear to have any mammary glands. So it would stri- it would seem that they don't reproduce. They're not mammals. So Smurfette makes one reference to this because why is she the only female? 
and this is also part of the Smurf lore, the Smurfs were all 100 dudes hanging out Big Blue Sausage Fest, <laughs> and Gargamel created one female Smurf. He created Smurfette to be a disruptive influence, to go in and make them all jealous, uh, because apparently Hank, you know, Papa is like, five, he says he's 546, so the Smurfs have been around for a long time. But apparently they've all been waiting for that chick to show up. <laughs> but he wor- worked some kind of magic and made her good, which means he you know, brainwashed her or something. So, and she refers to, I'm the only Smurf who was not brought by the stork. Apparently, st- Smurfs are literally, this is not like some story, because you don't want to explain to some baby Smurf where Smurfettes come from. This is, they literally are brought by birds. Okay, so we can blame the storks? Yes, we can blame the storks. Storks are bastards. Damn you, storks! Damn you all to hell! (laughs) Pretty much. Okay, but so, my question is, so, you've got a hundred dudes living together, apparently, perfectly fine, right? Because we don't have war smurf, or death smurf, or famine smurf. There's no police smurf, there's no soldier smurf. Yeah. So apparently, the idea of sex, because you, ha- I mean, even if it's for kids, that the idea is that she's going to make people jealous. You're introducing yeah. the idea of sex, so yes. sex doesn't exist with Smurfs until Smurfette shows up. Apparently, and suddenly they all realize they have desires. <laughs> I, yeah, because a few of them, you can see them mooning over her when she shows up in a new dress. I do kind of like that uh, when she discovers. You mean I can have more than one dress? Yeah. Because, you know, she's always drawn... They're all drawn this exactly the same way. They never change wardrobe. Right. Although I, I think there might have been an astronaut Smurf who built himself like a space suit. Sure. <laughs> there's a hundred. There's room for everything. There's pretty much everything. But that's just weird. I mean, yeah. even on, on a, like, hey, it's a cutesy, don't look too far into it. That's just weird. It's a it hundred shirtless guys. I mean, you know where I'm going. It's a hundred shirtless guys living happily together, and now they're all straight because Smurfette shows up. Which is just mean, really. Yeah, okay. And of course, you know, this. if you want to really like put this whole thing on a piece of silly putty and stretch it as far as it'll go, we're doing the whole fall of man and blaming the girl again which yep although really it's gargamel who we assume is a guy i guess <laughs> although we don't know where he comes from either because he's the only human we ever see yeah in the smurf world like i say the smurfs were sub characters of johan and peewit so there there is a whole medieval society out there oh okay it's not yeah it's not made clear at all in this movie no. except you see a couple of shots of uh what looked like sort of fairy tale kingdoms, but you don't you never see anyone else. Mm. And yeah, Gargamel, you really have to wonder how he's lived this long. He's kind of the clumsy Smurf of the wizard world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's a moment. I am sorry. I really wanted Ian McKellen to just show up and slap the crap out of him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because at <laughs> one point Gargamel makes a direct G- Gandalf parallel. Yes, he does. He's he's locked in jail. Who cares? As he why? should be. <laughs> as he should be, and he catches a moth and asks it to bring him an army of eagles. Yeah. Yeah. For The moth brings him a large cloud of flies. 
Yeah, but still, it's like, oh, uh, hey, since you brought up Gargamel, let's do this, yeah. too. We know let's, we're going to okay. talk about this. Let's talk oh, yeah. about the actors in this film. <laughs> yeah. Now, Gargamel is played by Hank Azaria, who is <sighs> Poor terrific. <laughs> he's a one. He's a great, he's a really fun actor. He has a remarkable range. He's not, you know, just a cartoon character. And he tries so hard in this. He does. He throws himself into it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one part of him we don't see, thankfully. <laughs> no, although However, one of the early, one of the early jokes. This is the thing. This is I, I want to talk about this. Who who is the audience for this movie? Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But let's talk about yeah. the actors first. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he really tries. He really does. The makeup's he, actually pretty good. Like they get yeah. damned close, and it's like that's some really good makeup because I don't see yeah. anything. Really good prosthetics. Um, he looks like the character out of the, the comic. He looks like Gargamel. But and he has the silly voice. Yes. And he moves like a cartoon. He goes out of his way to do the silly struts and yep. exaggerated movements. But the dialogue he's given is so dumb. Yes, it is all. And the, and the actions he's given uh, are yes. awful. There is one scene, and I really Ugh. could not believe they were going to do this, and then oh, they did it. I He's know in a restaurant mean. with a, yeah. a magnate of a, a cosmetics firm because Stuff and Reasons, which I think yeah. is the name of the firm. Um, <laughs> and a waiter is walking by with a champagne bucket, and uh. Gargamel says, Oh, good, a chamber pot picks up the, the champagne bucket, goes behind a planter, doesn't even take it into the bathroom, he goes behind a planter, <sighs> and we see him relieving himself, thankfully, only from the chest up, but he's we making We can hear, that, though. Yeah, but we, he makes that face of relief. Yes. And then he hands the chamber pot, or, well, that's what it is now, yeah, and says, you know, take is. care of this. And I was just like, why are you doing what? this to Hank why is this? Yeah, why is this in here? And the other thing is, people are sort of like, oh my goodness. No! As opposed to, call the police. <laughs> yeah. Why, he should be wrestled to the ground and justifiably tased. Which, which he is at another point. Yes, he is. Which is actually one of the best parts of the movie. Oh. Yeah, uh, I had a, a thing for that, and it's like, tasing Gargamel. Isn't that a new movie coming from the all, Coen brothers? All, I think it all is. All I could think is, don't tase me, Smurf. <laughs> Um, so Hank Azaria, yeah, he's, I don't blame him. Uh, if you don't immediately know Hank Azaria, if you've ever seen The Birdcage, that's him playing Agador Spartacus. Yep. He's, he's half of the, not half, he's a third of the voices on The Simpsons. <laughs> At least. Uh, he was unfortunately in another film we reviewed a while back, which was the terrible, um, American version of Godzilla from 1999 or whatever year it was. That's right. He was Animal, the photographer. He's also in the movie, the the very good movie. I think we reviewed a Gross Point Blank. He's oh, one of right. the two NSA agents. Yeah. He has real range. He has he real does. skill. And he really, give him credit, he really throws himself into this terrible role. Yeah, he throws himself at this brick wall, picks himself up and throws it himself at it again. Yeah. And considering he is most of the time reacting to people who aren't there, the Smurfs, he does a really good job with that. Yeah. Ugh. But and we, have, we have other we people show have, up. Yeah, we have Neil Patrick Harris. Who does who, great. He Neil, does, he's real. yeah. He's got real chemistry with his wife. I like yes. them. They're nice people. Shayma Mays is adorable. She, she is. Looks, she's like a Hummel figurine who's came to life. She's so cute. And you just get, she's so sweet. She's a lot like no. uh, Smurfette, really. Except, yeah, you know, she has a more of a brain, but and a personality. Yeah, and they and the thing is, she and Smurfette f form a bond. 
And oddly enough, that is the only believable friendship in this movie. Yeah. Because Patrick, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, rightly so, freaks out when he meets the Smurfs and wants them gone, yeah. which is the only rational response <laughs> to having these little blue demons show up in your home and start breaking things, especially, you know, Gilligan. <laughs> but he bonds with them, in which I don't buy for a minute, and and becomes becomes friends with them, which is still unconvincing. I also like the fact he brings up two really serious points in Smurf lore that are not addressed. He actually says to them, how come you use the word Smurf to mean literally anything? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you can just Smurf and Smurf the heck out of the Smurf thing. And they all go, ooh, there's no call for that language. Yeah. And he also asks them about their names, the fact that their names reflect their personality. He says, are you given those names at birth? Or when you're when the trait manifests, and they just say yes, yeah, they don't answer it, which is I think is a damn good question. Does that mean clumsy was doomed by his name? Yeah. Or when he was little, they said, "Wow, he's clumsy. We're going to call him clumsy." Now, to be fair, he is not the only one with what is in effect an insulting name. Right. Vanity Smurf. That's not a nice thing to call somebody. <laughs> And they mentioned, my, I, I do like the name Passive Aggressive Smurf. <laughs> that was I, a bit much, but... I like that. It's like, yeah, he seems nice, but after he leaves, you feel bad for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I actually think that the relationship between NPH and the Smurfs works because of NPH. Yeah, uh, I don't he, really he have a problem. I feel badly for him, though, because he's worried about his job, which, you know, living in New York means you've got to be if you want to stay there you got to be very gainfully employed and the dude's doing the best he can and people are like oh your job it's meaningless and it's like um his family you... is important he's trying to support his family his wife is pregnant yeah and then there's this shoehorned in subplot of he's worrying oh will i be a good dad i don't know if i can be a dad oh good i'm Which, glad you again, thought the same thing because i have it yeah. in my notes which, again, he does fairly well, and it's supposed to be a bonding moment between him and Papa Smurf, which, which is still weird when Papa Smurf says, here, come on, sit on Papa's lap. Um, and NPH <laughs> points out quite reasonably, that's probably not a good idea, because, you know, he's 200 times his size. Yeah. But that's just so forced. Yeah, and of course... If you think about it, according to their own lore, Papa Smurf isn't Papa of anybody because no. everybody's brought by the storks. So I guess uh, he's just the oldest one. What yeah, happened to like, all the other ones? Did they die? I don't know. Yeah, was he the first Smurf? How he's five? He says he's five hundred and forty-six. How old are the others? Does he was he alone for five hundred years? Or yeah, there's a they, lot of the, about the Smurfs that. I, I'm sure some of our listeners must know some Smurfology, and I'm sure there are maybe one or two websites out there dedicated to it. But uh... hey, Cheese Boy, write us in. I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I I really was surprised at how well I ended up liking NPH's character in this. He does a great job. The two, I guess, I said the two of them together are a wonderful little couple. Um, she's really charming. They're charming together. They're very white. Uh, the film is old. very, very white. And like Larry Bird, NPH isn't white. He's clear. Yeah. 
Um, hey, I believed that they were a couple, and knowing full well yeah. that he uh, would not be interested in real life. Yeah, sure. yeah. But uh, they do a good job. But then we get some really weird why are you here moments, like Tim Gunn. Tim yeah, Gunn. Yeah, Tim Gunn comes, comes in, and he's not playing Tim Gunn. No, he's, he's playing... Uh, He's playing some executive at the company that NPH yeah. works at, who the the owner of which is uh, Sofia Vergara. Yeah, Cruella you know, the Evil or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, Cruella Deville basically. That's Odile. Yeah. Have it, uh, but it's like, yeah. and of course, we have to have a moment where he turns to the camera and says, "Make it work," <laughs> because reasons. Project oh, I, I, one, Project Runway riff. Yeah. Yeah, ten. I just like I could not think of a single reason that he was there. I don't. Yeah, it was just. It, there are a lot of celebrity cameos yeah. that don't make any sense. There's a party at one point, and you look, and one person says, "Oh, is that is that the Dijon logo?" And it's Joan Rivers. Well, no, Max. What she says is, "Is that the Dijon logo?" <laughs> Excuse me, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, why would you have Joan Rivers? Why'd you put her in a movie and not let her say something funny? Or why did? did okay, I mean, uh, it's sort of like when um, uh, was it? Uh, Oh, dear gods, I hate... Getting old means forgetting people's names. Uh, is that like when Hillary... Was it Hillary Clinton who was in Pixels? No, uh, it was Martha no, Stewart. No, it was Martha Stewart. <laughs> it's you like were close. That. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, why? Martha Stewart and Serena Williams, and you just go, oh, you deserve so much better than this. And I mean, you know, Joan Rivers, whatever, but she's there for yeah. three seconds, and whatever. Uh, <sighs> just, I, I don't... Mm. I don't get it. The and whole the world building is weird too. Like I say, the Smurfs are animated. Everyone else is live action. Yeah, but the Smurfs when they get to New York, which is clearly a, it's in a different time and place, but the Smurfs exist there. Yeah, and Peo exists. They when uh, <laughs> NPH Google's them and finds all of these references. They show the Smurf amusement park. All of this fictional Smurf stuff exists. Yeah, and the Smurfs. Just sort of take that, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, wait, you're, what? How? But, <laughs> but apparently. Is Peo clairvoyant? Does he see through dimensions? Peo is the god. Kneel before Peo. Peo is almighty. Yeah, it's just like cool world where Peo thought he created them, but he actually was just channeling them. I'm telling they you, don't short even, for Peyote. <laughs> It's short for yeah. peyote. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was a very weird meta. I don't know why you're doing this moment. Um, but yeah. Um, so we've got these weird, unnecessary cameos. And then, of course, we have these weird, unnecessary references, including the actual comic books, the guy who drew them and wrote them and whatever. And then we get the annoyingly, unnecessary, ubiquitous taxi driver reference, because that's not been screwed into the ground. And hey, there's one thing that kids under 10 love, it's a taxi driver reference. Um, we get the yeah, Smurfs singing Aerosmith and Run DMC at one point. Oh, yes, which, oh God. For some reason, there is this pointless attempt at a bonding moment where NPH and a bunch of the Smurfs play, I don't know, was that Guitar Hero? It or, is. Yeah, it's Guitar Hero. Um, and they start doing this version of Walk This Way, yeah. which they're also blending into the Smurfs song, which, again, it is really fun to watch NPH leap about with a guitar. Yeah. Because NPH can dance. Yeah. I am. Um, but it, what? I kind of liked that moment. <laughs> it's cute. It is. It's just, what's it doing there? It's like, oh, wow, this yeah. is obviously something from a better movie that happened to cross <laughs> over here. Yeah. 
I mean, that that video when it came out, so the original song, Walk This Way, was an Aerosmith song, and then in the 80s, Run DMC decided they were going to do it, and in a, an amazing show of good humor and camaraderie, Aerosmith appears in the video of Run DMC yeah. doing it, they do it together, and it was one of the big moments of MTV, like, that was a yeah. great video, it was a lot and of also, fun. And also, I gotta say, Run DMC improved the song, doing it with Aerosmith, I yeah. think that's the best version. It is, it's a but, lot of fun. It really is, but but we're that's a whole yeah. other genre. But yeah, that's that's a fun little scene. It yes. just doesn't make any no. sense. It doesn't fit the tone. It doesn't fit what's happened before. It doesn't fit with how frustrated he is with having the Smurfs around. But it's fun to see little childlike characters rap because yeah. <laughs> reasons, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But that's no, okay because that's, that's not the only weird juxtapositions we get. At one point, when as Max pointed out, Smurfette finds out she can have another dress, she gets this pleated skirt, uh, shoulderless oh, thing, dear. and immediately we're doing the subway scene from uh, was it Seven yeah, Year Itch? Seven Year Itch. She stands over an air grid and blows her skirt up. She's holding it down, a la Marilyn Monroe. So we're making Smurfette a sex symbol. We've just yeah. done this. And Al- I- although I have to say they kind of subvert that because then Gutsy, who for some reason is Scottish, mm. is standing next to her, letting the wind blow his kilt up. But then, of course, he says something about your nethers. Yeah, and um, he, say, he talks about yeah, that'll. Oh, God, I don't remember what he used. Yes, basically, he said, that'll, that'll cool, cool your off your... That'll cool your nethers, yeah. Yeah, so that suggests, again, that they have them. That so, is, yeah, that's a point. <laughs> that is a point. I mean, they do have this little weird blue nubbin tail thing, too, but whatever. Um, oh, God. There's just... Every time they work in these very adult humor things there's one point where gargamel for reasons and stuff um he ends up at the cosmetics company and he's trying to find the smurfs because they've ended up going to work with nph much much against his will and gargamel shows up and they try to throw him out and he says ah your your chemicals and your potions are worthless and the the lady the one woman who owns the place her mother is there and he waves his his ring at the mother and she suddenly turns young. Well, that would have been fine, but they specifically show her boobs lift and yeah. grow, lift and grow forever. <laughs> and, and yeah, her they, butt they pan tight. down her body very carefully. So, make sure you see everything. So not as it only just like degrading to women in general, because hey, sex object, but it's just really inappropriate. Like it, it brings it suddenly sexualizes a children's movie. Yeah, well, not, and, not to mention the fact. Gargamel can restore youth. Yeah. He can restore... Why isn't he God? I, well, it, the only time his spells seem to work is when they don't really matter or there's something yeah. really small like unlocking a door. That's and true. I could see that being a shtick, but they don't really do it. They just sort of... It's really like the plot demands now that your yeah. spell works. And so it's it does. very inconsistent. It's also how much magic he actually has. He, he gets his magic, he says, from the essences of the Smurfs. Sometimes. In this case, by the way, he gets it from a piece. This is another delightful scene. Asriel the cat tries to catch Smurfette. He bites off a hunk of her hair, swallows it, and then barfs it up, which we yeah. see in living color or animated. And Gargamel takes the hair out of it and renders it down into blue liquid. <laughs> And this one gets like one drop out of it, which he says, oh, we must be careful. And he just throws that spell away to youth and that woman's mother just to show. Right. Ugh. Yeah. I, the, then he gets the, another drop and he can like throw, he start, starts using force lightning, basically. Yeah. 
It's, yeah, the character's very ill-defined, and what starts off as, quite honestly, for a very family kid-oriented film, the plot starts out pretty reasonable, all things considered. It's got a very definite, we know where we're going, we know what's going to happen, and things just start unraveling. And Gargamel's the beginning of it. Gargamel makes no sense. Um, He seems to be oblivious to most of what's going on around him. He's unable to cast spells unless the plot decides that he can. And then when he does, suddenly, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I've wasted my power. And then there's the scene in jail where he's talked to the moth. And then the next day we're in the prison yard. And I swear we are 30 seconds from Gargamel becoming somebody's bitch. Yeah, we're about to see Gargamel (laughs) traded for cigarettes, basically. Yeah, and suddenly a giant swarm of flies at his command flies him literally out of the prison yard. And nobody chases him and nobody... uh, To be fair, I'm I'm betting that the prison guards are like, oh, good. (laughs) I'm just... I I wanted to see, like, two prison guards going, well, there's something you don't see every day, Edgar. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, (laughs) And so we also... There's this whole prophecy thing. Prophecies are a pain in the ass. Uh, I I kind of hate prophecies. Um, Whatever. But the whole deal is that they've come through this portal... That only opens on a blue moon. They're having a blue moon festival in in Smurf Town. They get thrown through it because they're chased by Gargamel into New York City. New York City! It's Gilligan's fault. They tell us that the portal has closed. We don't see it. And Gargamel comes through just fine. And they've long since left the portal behind by the time Gargamel comes through. But they somehow know that it's closed. Um, don't know why, but they say it is. So then they are looking for a way to make the blue moon come back. They need a spell. They need a telescope, blah, blah, blah. And it's like Papa Smurf looks through the telescope and they finally get one at FAO Schwartz in a scene that's really obnoxious. And he says, oh, no, the stars aren't aligned. And I don't know, you know, he doesn't know how to align them until the next day when it's like, okay, we have to do it today. Like, yeah, apparently, also, he could manually align the stars. I don't know. I don't that know, doesn't they, make any sense. He's basically like, I think we're stuck here forever, except till tomorrow. And then everything's yeah. going to be fine. And it's like, they really don't. It's, they just don't. It, yeah. And then they're, they're, they go in the morning, they follow NPH to work, because they know that there's this Wang's bookstore that might have the spell book for reasons, I guess. And they get yeah. there. It takes them 10 minutes to find the book. And as they're leaving the Wang's bookstore, it's nighttime. It's yeah, like, it's time just, doesn't work really well in this movie. No, the, the tone is all over the place. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of you know pee pee caca humor, what they used to call. And you know, there's jokes about porta potties and public urination. And yeah, way too much. Like I get yeah. it. You know, kids like that stuff. They think you know, you know, potty humor is funny. But you can do it, and it can be cute, and you can dismiss it as being a thing for kids. And it's gotten way out of hand. Yeah, um, I think that was things have become more permissive, and you know we start seeing well, you know Game of Thrones, for example. I think Game well, of Thrones yeah. basically permitted um, everything. Yeah, but this is a kids' movie. I know it's supposed to be a kids' movie, and one of the earliest gags is Azrael is ends up sitting on on Gargamel's head, and Gargamel looks up and says, "Azrael, I didn't know you were a boy." Yeah. Because he's staring at the cat's junk. Yeah. And that's one of the earliest scenes. Yeah. What kind of tone is that setting? 
I don't know, but like Gargamel going into the porta potty thinking it's a laboratory and then describing the smells and everything uh, and over the- and over. Oh the only God. line I liked in that, and it was almost funny, and it's only because of the way Hank Azaria delivered it, was someone was working at dark and terrible magic in there and again he made that funny the line is stupid and if he'd walked in and then come out making a face and then saying that that would have been fine if they had left it there but we he's oh there's a cauldron in here and you get the idea that he's reaching into this thing and it's just awful it is just unnecessary Um, yeah there's way too much gross out humor a couple of points we we usually bring up with these things max what did you think of the animation I gotta say the animation worked pretty well, and the interaction of the animated characters and the live action I thought was very smooth. Yeah, I, I agree. Thought they I fit thought in, that... I, they fit in the environment well. The movement was good. I thought the Smurfs were a little splotchy because oh, they're trying the, the skin. Yeah, the skin tone. Yeah, they were trying to make bit. it a little bit too much like real skin, and I'm sure that was yeah. also to try to make it look less like plastic. But they just felt kind of splotchy. I um, yeah, I could see that. And the cat. But, yeah, the cat looked very cartoonish. I guess it was supposed to. Except when it's but, not, and then it's suddenly a cat. Yeah, that was a little off. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, did, I wasn't a fan of the cat. But uh, the rest of it, it works very well. And the animation in the Smurfs' village, yeah. even when, when Gargamel is smashing around it, yep. I thought that looked really good. And again, the, the interaction was very smooth. Yeah, you can see where that money went. Yeah. Um. I want to. I do have a question because uh, at one point in in uh, the big laboratory scene, we see that Smurfette captures the cat. Yeah. And then later, it's out. How did it get out? <laughs> uh, magic. Uh, yeah. Oh, there is a little. By the way, there's a little nod to the show and to the cartoon in that when Smurfette, in one of the few scenes, she actually gets to do something. Traps Asriel in a cage. The cage falls, and it ch- cuts a chunk out of Asriel's ear. Oh, okay. Asriel, in the comic and the animation, has a notched ear. Oh. This is sort of a like a origin story of that. Okay. Yeah. But they don't Just show a little blood throwing. spurting out or anything. <laughs> no, they don't show what would actually happen if you removed a triangle, about a one-inch triangle out of a cat's ear. Oh, yeah, there'd be, yeah. There'd oh, be. there would be noise. There would be blood. Yeah. There's a giant lesson that they use to hit us over the head with at the end of the film. And it's like, oh, if you don't stop and smell the roses, you you could let, you could miss oh, it. Oh, is that, is that the message? I thought I it was, you guess. know, family is more important. Oh, and, yeah, that too. But and, it's, of course, always, always lie to your children. Yeah. <laughs> which is what Papa does. At the very beginning, Papa Smurf sees a, a vision, that's the prophecy, that Clumsy is going to doom all of them. Which, I'm sorry, that's not a vision. That's just paying attention. <laughs> of course Gilligan is going to be the death of all of them. How could he not be? Yeah, Gilligan, and- drop those coconuts! Bonk! Ow! <laughs> And so, what does Papa Smurf do, the wise leader of the Smurfs, when he sees this vision? Does he imprison Clumsy Smurf? <laughs> does he take a spike to him, knowing that the the storks will bring another one? No! <laughs> he And he lies about it. Yeah! When they say, what, what is the vision? He says, oh, everything's going to be fine. I mean... And of course, it turns out he misinterpreted it. that Or, it, like, cut off a second before... Because the whole thing is Gargamel's magic wand goes flying and he saw Clumsy dropping it. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He bobble hands it and then catches it in the next frame and ends up being, in effect, the hero. Right. 
But he doesn't get so, to change his name to Hero Smurf, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, it really is, again, very disturbing. You are, like, doomed to live your name. What if Painter Smurf decided he liked to sculpt? Nope. He has to be Painter. Nope. Hey, I love yeah. the scene, uh, we start off early with the potty humor, I love the scene where they go into the bathroom and the Smurfs fall into the water, and I thought, hey, is that why toilet water sometimes blue? <laughs> <laughs> that would make but, sense. Yeah, so there's this dumb, uh, whatever uh, lesson. It's this, not worth it. Yeah. No. But hey, this is weird, and I know there's a sequel, and I honestly don't want to know what it's about, but the film ends with all of the Smurfs getting flushed back to Smurf Town. And Gargamel being stuck. His wand's been broken. He's out of essence. The cat's somewhere else, although it shows up because it can, I whatever. And he's just sitting in a garbage pile. And do you notice what the actual last line of the movie is? What is the last line? Please tell our listeners. The very last line, it's the last scene, is with Gargamel... And it's a Brokeback Mountain callback. Yes, it is. He's in the alley, and the cat's next to him, licking his face, trying to wake him up, and he just looks at the Ezreal and says, I wish I could quit you. Um, Because if there's one thing under under Ten's love, it's Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) You know, I think there's a cartoon spinoff show of that movie. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, um, have you got any more talking points that we missed? Because I'd hate to think that... I got one other point, and that's uh, during the end credits, we see shots of, like, the rebuilt Smurf Village, which a lot of jokes about how they rebuilt it as New York. Yeah, because now Uh, there's high-rises, because suddenly there's a lot more Smurfs or something, I guess. They built a statue of Smurfity, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, we see that uh, NPH and JMA Mays, they've had their child, they've had a son, and they named him Blue. Yeah. Because they hate their child. Um, I would totally go by the name Blue. I totally would. <laughs> it's different if it's a last name. No, I mean the first name. I would really? totally go by. Not with my current last name, no. But uh, Blue Winslow, that's actually kind of a cool name. That guy's mm. a poet. He's a folk singer or something. Dude, I would totally kill for Blue Winslow. I totally All right. Would. Agree to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And uh, one last point is... Oh my god, the product placement. Oh yeah, how did I miss that point? This is oh, the worst product placement Lord. ever. Sony, you should be ashamed oh. of yourself. <laughs> oh lord, never mind that NPH is always working on a Sony laptop, but there is a truckload. Well, they land on the damn taxi and it's Blu-ray. It says Sony Blu-ray yeah, says, and we're just focused on it. You see every billboard in Times oh. Square. They're running around FAO Schwartz. They're playing with M&Ms. They're, oh, Lord. This one scene they do the product placement and I thought, okay, cool. You got it out of the way. There's the early scene where they're on the cab and they're running through Times Square. It's like, good. There's all the product placement. It's where it's supposed to be. We see it. It doesn't look weird or out of place. Good. It's out of the way. No, no. That's just the beginning. Ugh. And it just and all, mm-hmm. Sony, but the fact that Sony is its is the producer, the maker of this film, and they put themselves so blatantly in it. If I bought Sony products in general, I would stop buying Sony products <laughs> because of that, because that was yeah. just obnoxious. That and all the damn Smurf puns, the well, worst to me still, and you can barely hear it because they're all talking at once when they're running away from Gargamel in the magic shop. And Papa Smurf is yelling, Smurfantine, Smurfantine. Yeah. <laughs> which is a playoff of, uh, you know, Serpentine, Serpentine, which is supposed to be that spy movie with Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Uh, the Father's-in-Law. Okay, never saw it. 
I think that was it. And, yeah. Or Easy on Serpentines. And that was, it's like, okay, that's just enough. Well, there are so many. That's when you know the Smurfs have worked their magic. Hey, speaking yeah. of working their magic. Yeah. I think it's that time. I think it is. The Roundup. Max. Yeah? Had you seen this before? I have. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> All right, I have to keep asking this until you stop. Why do you do these things to yourself? I don't know. It was on cable, and suddenly I lost the ability to control my arms. I don't know. <laughs> Honest to God. I, I, I must have had some kind of a small stroke. or. Oh, that's where they came uh, from. The Smurfs well, came from a stroke. There you go. That's it. Yeah, that's why they're blue. They're like uh, oxygen-deprived blood cells. Stroke me, stroke me. Um, I, I don't know. I like Neil Patrick Harris. I like Jay Mahays, and I really like Hank Azaria. I thought, okay, maybe this will be fun. I was wrong both times. <laughs> this movie is not fun. I'm sorry, except for that one scene where they're, sing- where they're singing Walk This Way. This I th- this movie, it's too crude to be a children's movie. It's too dumb to be for adults. The only thing I can say is the animation is good. Yeah. That's what brings it into this series. The interaction of live action and animation works really well. That is the only thing that works really well. What about you? I'm pretty much in the same boat. I mean, I going into this, it's the Smurfs. I've never enjoyed the Smurfs. I, I never thought they were cute. I never wanted to learn more about them. Um, it was for kids, which is fine. There's plenty of things for kids that I do not need to be a fan of, and I don't feel the need that everything has to entertain me. But I think that this film could have been a reasonable, harmless, fun family film if they had made it to be that. And But with all that crudity, like seriously, Gargamel peeing into a champagne bucket in a restaurant and you hear it and he's making that face? I mean, dear gods, I mean, let's go back to Osmosis Jones, you know? Mm. There was stuff in that that was, you know, a little bit more tasteful. Um, yeah, which is saying something. And I understand that, okay, they're saying, oh, well, we'll throw this in for the adults. Adults don't enjoy that. No. And you can do stuff that's more for the adults that doesn't involve Taxi Driver or Brokeback Mountain (laughs) (laughs) and still have a fun family film. You know, I love Disney films. I see Disney films all the time. I see Pixar films. Those are films that are good for adults and kids. We all love them. Not all of them, but we love them. You can do that, and they don't have to be crude. They don't have to be potty humor taken way out of control. Um, It would have been nice if the plot made any sense, but there's Mm. literally parts where it's like, okay, that's not a problem anymore, and it's like, uh, okay. And it's just, uh, it just really feels like they, they just lost their grip on any form of storytelling um the human actors in this the voice actors are fine um i kept thinking i know this voice who is papa smurf i know it i would not have guessed it was jonathan winters because it is the most un jonathan winters character he's ever played it's very subdued yeah um the rest of them do fine uh they all have their little shtick which is what smurfs do um I actually found them less annoying as characters than they could have been. Really? Um, I thought they were so annoying, especially the fact that they never seemed to listen to anybody. Oh, I totally thought it could have been worse. Way worse. Oh, okay. Um, but it's like, yeah. I, you know, it made a half a billion dollars, so what the hell do we know? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I it could have been it could have been harmless. It wasn't. Um, but they made another one, and they made money, so who, what the hell do we know? They did, and then they shifted back. They made a third one, but it was pure, all animated and took place entirely in the Smurfs world. Well, it's probably dead. And I've, I've heard, I haven't seen it, I've heard that one's better, but I couldn't <laughs> tell you. But speaking of better, what yeah, well, are we going to see next week, Mike? Well, unfortunately, we're not. Uh, we saved the worst for last. This is a no. generally universally hated film. I yeah. know um, it's got a terrible idea. It's got dreadful Awful. animation. It's got terrible acting in it. And it Based is, of on course, a pretty bad book, really. It is, which I've never read, but who cares because the movie's so terrible. Um, you probably won't want to join us for Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Of course, yeah, I am kidding. Yep, um, the movie that really st- was the inspiration for this whole series. And mostly because I got on my knees and went to Max, and when I was trying to get him to watch a decent movie in this series, I looked <laughs> out to one of my big cartoonines and said, Please! <laughs> And yes, said, and I hit him on the head with an anvil, <laughs> which is actually as funny as it is in the cartoons. Uh, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so, but you're right. Uh, so if you have somehow missed Roger Rabbit, I don't know how. It's oh. from 1988, I believe. Uh, yeah. It is pretty much the king of this stuff. Yeah, but it's the gold standard. Does it hold up? Because that was yeah, a long it's a thing. Time I ago. haven't seen it in a long time. Um, Bob Hoskins been, in a role that, if you've ever seen Bob Hoskins, will deeply surprise you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kathleen Turner in a role that will probably deeply surprise you. Yes, and will make you think long, deep thoughts about your sexuality. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd in a role that won't surprise you. <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> um, but we, we get, and somehow, studio cooperation that boggles the mind. Yeah, between the greatest enemies known to the known to Hollywood, pretty much Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah, and Fleischer yeah. Studios and other Yo, stuff. The, yes. Uh, so we will tackle Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But until then, armed with everything Acme, I am still Mike Luce. And smile, darn you, smile! I'm still Max Levine. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. <laughs>